This is Strange Assembly episode 287, Mansions of Madness Scenarios. I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to this podcast there in the Apple Podcasts app or whatever podcatching service you use. If you get us through a podcatching service, we always appreciate it if you leave us a rating or review. It helps other people find the show. Today, I'm going to be talking about one of my favorite board games of all time. I, I believe I declared it Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition to be the best board game released in the 2010s. I had a previous episode where we talked about the best investigators, but we've had a, a long-standing request that I'm finally <laughs> getting around to, to talk about the Mansions of Madness scenarios. At this point, Mansions of Madness has a bunch of expansions, and across those expansions, the app for Mansions of Madness has 19 different scenarios. That's in addition to the three scenarios that are DLC only. I'm not going to worry about those today because, really, I like best buying a physical expansion, getting more tiles, getting more monsters, getting more investigators. Order-wise, I'm going to go through the different scenarios in based on what expansion they are in, and I'm going to give a, a general impression of the scenario and why I liked it more or why I liked it less as compared to some of the other scenarios. This is not intended to be a strategy guide. This is a which scenarios would you maybe want to try out first if you've got the expansion in question or which expansion you might want to buy next based on what the scenarios are. So it's not intended to be in-depth strategy, but uh, for some of them, note that there will be things that, at least in mechanical terms, might be considered spoilers. If you want to go into a scenario truly blind, having no information beyond what it is that the app tells you about it in advance, I am going to go a bit beyond that. Not not a ton, but I, other than without going into that, it's hard to say more than I like it or don't without giving you any sort of reason. So we can start with the base game. There's a decent chance if you're listening to this, you already own Mansions of Madness and you've already taken a crack at the initial scenarios. But uh, I'll, I'll talk about those anyway. And the four scenarios that come with the base game are Cycle of Eternity, Shattered Bonds, Escape from Innsmouth, and Rising Tide. I think that that includes a couple of scenarios that are sort of standard mansions of madness, a good place to start, and then a couple of scenarios that are a bit more divergent. So it's actually, I think it's actually a good array that's in there in the base game out of everything as a whole. The most standard to our Cycle of Eternity and Shattered Bonds. Now, Cycle of Eternity, if you've played Mansions of Madness at all, you've almost certainly played this. It's the introductory scenario. It's not particularly difficult, right, because it's the intro scenario, but I think it is an extremely good introduction to what Mansions of Madness is. I don't mind replaying this again repeatedly to teach new people the game. It is a classic, there are disappearances going on in a mansion, literally in a mansion, you have to go in, figure out what's going on, 
the other one that's in the same vein, but basically ramping everything up because it's not an introductory any an introduction anymore is Shattered Bonds. The story in Shattered Bonds is that there is this family that is being stalked by the darkness, and again, you are going to their mansion and trying to figure out what's going on. In this, it's got an, a distinctive mechanic just for this scenario where you actually have to try to protect the family while you're figuring out what's going on and unraveling the mystery. It's just a, you know, you're in a mansion scenario. It gives you a nice doubled length from a cycle of eternity, so you've got a good spread of options to try out there. This is one that is, I think it's a, a good scenario. It's highly regarded online. And so when I, when I talk about the scenarios, my personal things, I have a couple of them that are my very favorites. I'll mention when I get to them. I've got about four that I think are, are great scenarios, and Cycle of Eternity and Shattered Bonds are two of those. There's about three or so after that that I think are really good scenarios. Then there's about five that are okay to good. I mean, it depends on you know how whether it's you're a, a pessimist or an optimist. I suppose whether well, you call them okay or you call them good. And beyond that, there's this sort of what I call the mystery tier, uh, which we'll talk about in, in just a minute. But Right, Cycle of Eternity and Shattered Bonds are both ones that I like, and they are ones that are rated highly by the sort of people who rate Mansions of Madness scenarios online. Now, note that that means that you're, relatively speaking, talking about a hardcore group, and I think that might affect the, the ratings of some of the scenarios, but that, that online group of people also has both of these like tied for sixths in the sixth place in the ratings that things get. So a Cycle of Eternity, Shattered Ponds, a very good place to start. The third scenario in the base game is a bit more divisive. Uh, it's called Escape from Innsmouth. This is one that is both those online collectively who are seriously into Mansions of Madness would say that this is one of the handful of best scenarios out there. But there's also a lot of people who would say that this is an incredibly frustrating, terrible scenario. The most distinctive thing that there's supposed to be about the mechanics of this game is that there is a mob. You're trying to escape from the towns of Innsmouth, and there's going to be a mob running around the town, and you have to try to do things to get around the mob. And that means that the first time that you play Escape from Innsmouth, it's incredibly difficult. In fact, it's one of the, it's, it's you know, the first or second most, it's probably this, I think the second most difficult of the Mansions of Madness scenarios by rate of beating it. But it is a scenario that you are almost surely going to have to play multiple times in order to win. And that can be true of a lot of them. That's not inherently a problem. But in this, it's really because when you go in and play the first time, you're not going to understand, probably, how the mob moves and how the mob acts. And so you really have to go through and play it and then get beaten up by the mob and then realize that, okay, this is exactly how the mob moves and this is how we can do our stuff around the mob <laughs> so that the mob isn't killing our investigators off. And then 
you also may have to run into problems with the scenario not clearly communicating exactly what the victory conditions are. And so those two things together can definitely irritate people. How much you'll like Escape from Innsmouth kind of depends on how much you're interested in repeatedly playing a scenario in an effort to sort of figure out what the rules of the scenario are so that you can successfully complete it. The fourth one that's in here is Rising Tide. Rising Tide has the distinction of being the longest Mansions of Madness scenario. The rated game time is four to six hours. And I remember I was very excited when I went to play this scenario. And it's so long. I had a I had a bunch of expansions before I ever actually got to play Rising Tide because it was so long. It was actually a birthday present to me for people to sit down and play this four to six hour Mansions of Madness scenario. And I'll tell you what, it was disappointing. So Rising Tide is one of what I call a mystery scenario. I think there's five of them across the course of the various Mansions of Madness expansions and the base game. Rising Tide is, is certainly the longest one. The best of them, from what the collective wisdom of the internet is, is slightly less than mediocre, and some of them are like what people would consider the worst, expan- the, the worst scenarios. I personally, almost universally, think that they are amongst the worst Mansions of Madness scenarios. What these scenarios share in common is that they consist almost entirely of walking around and looking for clues, which I know that's a big part of Mansions of Madness, but they're, by completely removing the combat element, you come down to what ends up feeling pretty dry. And so each of these, usually there, there's no combat at all until right at the very end. And, and Rising Tide is one of these. So Rising Tide, you will play your four to six hours. And then you will get to the end after like a series of multiple chunks of investigation. And if you get it right, if you've successfully figured out what the mystery is, then uh, you have a normal sort of fight and you're going to win. If you don't, you're going to have an impossible fight and you're just going to lose, which is really frustrating after like five hours of gameplay. I'll mention some of these as they come up, but there are, again, they're probably consistently the least liked out of the Mansions of Madness scenarios. And the one that's in the base game is Rising Tide. The next expansion I wanted to move on to is Beyond the Threshold, and these are not in the order that they came out. They're basically vaguely in the order of niftiness, I think, that they have. So, Beyond the Threshold only has two scenarios that come with it, Gates of Silverwood Manor and Vengeful Impulses. Now, Vengeful Impulses is another one of these mystery scenarios. So. The mystery in the case of Vengeful Impulses, it is literally a murder mystery. It's very easy. It has the upside of being much, much shorter than Rising Tide from the base game did. But that's ultimately it. Gates of Silverwood Manor, though, is fantastic. Gates of Silverwood Manor is the other scenario. You're helping with a missing persons case. 
I think it's fantastic. The collective wisdom of the internet thinks that it's fantastic. It's a moderately difficult scenario, you know, about middle of the road, but it has a great, great mechanism with the board changes. Like the you're in Silverwood Manor and Silverwood Manor is has something supernatural going on to it. So you're not just exploring a normal mansion, but it, it otherwise involves classic things that do that. And the, the reason why I put beyond the threshold here is because it has one of my two favorite scenarios and it's got normal tiles. It is more traditional mansion of madness tiles. And the, and the reason why that is pertinent for why I'm putting it here is that the next expansion I would talk about is Horrific Journeys. And Horrific Journeys has three scenarios instead of two. It also has one of the two best scenarios, I think. One that's uh, complicated, and then another one of these mystery scenarios that's not that great. But the reason why I put Horrific Journeys below as far as what I would be inclined to go check out first is that Horrific Journeys gives you a train scenario, a boat scenario, and an airship scenario. And those are, are a great bit of variety to have. However, if you're going out and you're going to be like, what is the first expansion I should buy? You probably don't quite need that variety of tiles yet. You'd probably rather have, okay, I want a more variety of kind of normal mansion and street tiles so that when I play the scenarios I have, I, those can get mixed up and I can get a greater variety of the boards that are built, because the, the individual horrific journeys scenarios are very different on their own, but the tiles just don't cross over. I mean, they're almost all of them are very distinctively like, look, it's a train car, right? 1050 to Arkham, though, that along with Gates of Silverwood Manor are my, hands down, my favorite Mansions of Madness scenarios. 1050 to Arkham is the train scenario. The whole thing, you're on a train, the train is going to go and do some really mysterious things. It's a scenario that when we played through it, we started to feel like it was really unfair, like maybe there was something messing up with the rules, and then, you know, we figured out what was going on, and we broke it wide open, and it was great. It made great use of the lost in time and space, the way that the board simulated the moving train. It was just really good. I cannot recommend 1050 to Arkham strongly enough. The one that's a little bit more nuanced, again, is Hidden Depths. Hidden Depths is the ship scenario. You are on a ship, and it quickly becomes apparent that like Deep Ones and Deep One hybrids are, have sabotaged the ship, and the ship's going down. This scenario does a lot of distinctive things, which is good, and I think is part of why it ends up highly regarded by a lot of folks. But some of those things also are like a little eh to me. So this is a scenario that actually... It doesn't have to, but it probably has a traitor. And so you actually, for the first time, have things like giving an individual player the app and having them secretly make decisions, although their decisions aren't as secret if there's another investigator in the same space. And so that mechanic actually didn't interfere with things during the course of play as much as I was concerned it was. A Grand of Madness can be a relatively hard thing anyway, and adding in the semi-trader element, that's not a thing I'm a big fan of. I say semi-trader, the, the possible trader. I mean, they're either a trader or not. So the overall gameplay of that scenario went better than I thought it was. I was a little skittish about it. But then we got to, the, to near the end, and if it becomes 
clear that someone is the traitor. I mean, they try to hide it, but if it becomes clear that they're the traitor, it can make the end really weird the way the end game trigger does. It can play out kind of strangely and pay close attention to the fact that it mentions that there's a traitor, not just possibly a traitor amongst the players, but amongst all the passengers on the ships that you're talking to, because it's also possible to get to the end and think that you finally figured it out and won, only to go like, oh, we're sorry. You had no idea whatsoever that one of the people you rescued was a Deep One hybrid, and now you lose. So there can be a little bit of switcheroo, like pay attention to that. And if that sort of figuring out who the traitor is appeals to you, I imagine Hidden Depths will skyrocket way up in your estimation. If that sounds to you, eh, you know, probably the other direction. The third one is murder on the Stargazer Majestic. You're on the airship. It's another murder mystery. Somebody killed somebody. You've got to go through. It's, you know, you're not fighting. You're just, you're talking to this person and then talking to that person. You're putting together the clues until, like, if you've talked to enough people, then it'll spit out the right answer. And if you, you don't, it, it won't, right? But those are the three in, in Horrific Journeys. Next up, I have the two tile and figure collections or the original expansion. So there were, there were two of these recurring nightmares and suppressed memories. And each of these, when printed along with the original Mansions of Madness second edition base game, they were tile and figure collections. So they reprinted the tiles and recast figures from some of the original base game stuff. And then the new cards that you needed to play with those were actually in the second edition base game, like a conversion kit. So the Recurring Nightmares Tile and Figure Collection had new copies of tiles and figures that were in the first edition Mansions of Badness base game. The Suppressed Memories Tile and Figure Collection had tiles and figures that were in the two first edition Mansions of Madness expansions. So you can either have these tile and figure collections, or you can have those first edition materials. Unfortunately, I haven't gone and researched this to see exactly where things stand right now, but I am under the impression that it is quite expensive to get your hands on these these days. Uh, they are not making these at all anymore. I mean, the other ones, I think they still can. I don't know how often they do, like, spit out another batch of one of these second edition expansions, but the Recurring Nightmares and Suppressed Memories collections used, they have said, molds back from the first edition game. And that worked okay for when they did this first batch of them, but that those are no longer usable molds. And it's simply not financially feasible for Fantasy Flight Asmodee, whoever, to pay to cast all new molds just to release a new wave of these of these first edition reprints. It's just so unfortunately those can be pretty tough to get. Each of them has just one scenario in it, but they do have a lot of tiles and figures. So they're they're really good in that way. I have them a little bit further down because I'm on this because I'm primarily looking at scenarios and I'm not I, I I'm not really judging these based on cost. You're in the best position of that. I I, I gotta tell you, right? No, no matter how much uh, I, I think, you know, recurring nightmares may be nifty. Nifty, you know, if it's too expensive, it's just too expensive, right? That 
I, uh, you know, such is life. Don't don't go kill yourself, right? Because I I think something's cool. So recurring nightmares has one scenario: dearly departed. Suppressed memories has one scenario: the cult of Sentinel Hill. The internet as a whole likes dearly departed better. I like cult of Sentinel Hill better. Dearly departed is going to be lots of undead. It's a very combat-focused scenario. Cult of Sentinel Hill is essentially the Dunwich Horror. You find yourself captured, you have to escape, you have to figure out what's going on. It's very outdoors, but to me, it had a good combination of the various things that went on, that go on in Mansions of Madness, of like trying to figure out what's going on, and a little bit of combat, and some clues, and some work in your brain a little bit. So I like that one better. Uh, that's one of the, the four that I put in the great category. I, I definitely, uh, the very good category uh, includes Dearly Departed. Ultimately, I'd go with Recurring Nightmares if you were, if I was going to get one, even though I don't like the scenario as much, simply because Recurring Nightmares, which is the first edition base game, has Ashcan Pete in it. Ashcan Pete, I know this isn't an investigator thing, but if I, if I may, Ashcan Pete is by far the strongest of the investigators. He's got the dog, which in my house means that he gets played all the time because one of my kids always wants to, you know, have the dog. But the reason I really like Ashcan Pete as an investigator is not just because he's the most powerful. I like to vary around, not just use the ones that are, are the strongest, but because he lets you do actions that otherwise are almost never worth it. I know you can do some abusive things with Duke, but at, at base level, Duke, the dog that comes with Ashcan Pete, lets you pick stuff up. And Mansions of Madness is a game that is all about action efficiency, and it is rarely worth it to use actions to pick things up. Maybe if there's a really good weapon, I mean, obviously you're going to have to sometimes because there's a necessarily clue, but the way that Duke actually lets you get these items that you otherwise would always just leave laying on the ground because it's not worth an action to pick them up, even if you're already walking through that square. I like Ashcan Pete because it lets you do these stuff that it feels like you should want to do, but ultimately just isn't efficient enough to, to play the game. Recurring Nightmares comes with Dearly Departed. Suppressed Memories comes with the Cult of Sentinel Hill. I think both of those are, are solid or better scenarios, along with the pile of tiles and figures that you get if you can find them at a tolerable price point, which just may not be feasible. The next one I'd go to is the most recent, which is Path of the Serpent. Now, like Horrific Journeys, this has a very distinctive set of tiles. They don't mix terribly well. But at this point in the list, right, you're now usually further along in the your Mansions of Madness life cycle. And so that kind of excuses the non-interoperability of the tiles you may at this point be more interested in getting a wider variety of things but it also helps the fact that one of the scenarios in here which is called it's called Lost Temple of Yig is very different from anything else in any of the Mansions of Madness games and so that matters less right if you're looking to get your first expansion but it can matter a great deal if you're looking to get your sixth and the Lost Temple of Yig you are trying to stop a ritual ceremony that's going to, you know, bring the god Yig back to Earth and usher in the reign of the serpent people as they destroy the, you know, smelly apes that have overrun the planet. 
But what is really different about this is that it's kind of an endurance contest. You're going into this temple, and there's a lot of dice rolling, and there's a lot of taking damage, except it's not from combat. You're going into this trap-filled dungeon. It's it's kind of Indiana Jones-ish, right? The whole, the whole Path of the Serpent thing is dealing with the jungle and, and such, but it is just a very different feel, and, and in some ways you could compare it to the mystery scenarios, right? You have to go through all this stuff, and then there's combat at the end, but it's much more granular and decision-based, it feels like, when you're playing Lost Temple of Yig, so I really like Lost Temple of Yig. This is actually the single highest-rated scenario amongst the, the online folk. Now, this is one of those things where I think it starts to matter who's doing the rating. I don't think this is really the best, and I kind of wonder how much that has to do with the fact that right when you've got people who are still half a dozen expansions later playing the game enough and rating it online that they might be overweighting the the variety of experience. But even with that into account, it's still a very good, very fun, very different scenario. The Lost Temple of Yig. The other two that are in here, because this, and that's the other thing, Path of the Serpent does not have a mystery scenario. Yay! It does, however, have a scenario that lots of people seem to not like, which is The Jungle Awakens. The plot of The Jungle Awakens is that someone has brought back artifacts to Arkham, and right now there's some sort of curse, and it's turning into the jungle, right? I'm not sure why this one is so disliked, but it is rated very poorly by the online folks. And it might be, or I might be just imagining things, uh, because it's quite easy. It's, I think, actually easier than the intro scenario. It is the single easiest of these scenarios based on how often people actually win it. And so maybe that marks it down. You know, maybe that goes against what I've just said about how this is a great expansion for a little bit later in the life cycle, and you'll also be, oh, I don't want another easy one, but I think it's fine to have another easy one. I mean, maybe there's other things wrong with it that, that other people see that I don't. I think it's a decent scenario. It's easy. It's not great, right? It's one of my, like, okay to good scenarios, but I don't think it's bad, and since this is, you know, the least liked scenario in Path of the Serpent, I think that speaks well of Path of the Serpent that has three scenarios and it doesn't, to my opinion, really have a dud. Other people think it has a dud and they think The Jungle Awakens is it, but it doesn't. The, the other one, though, is Into the Dark. You are traveling through the jungle in this one, so you've got back in Arkham, and then you've got traveling through the jungle, and then you've got at the temple for your three different Path of the Serpent scenarios. But other than the fact that it's in the jungle, which provides a whole different flair for into the dark, is that the darkness really matters here. You're told repeatedly by the introduction of my characters in the game that, like, the light matters. And all of your characters start off with a bunch of torches, and then those torches will be lost as the game goes on, and it they're not kidding when they're telling you that the light sources matter. So, it adds different elements to the way that the characters move and position themselves how they have to really relate to the light sources in a way that they usually don't. Again, it's not an amazing scenario. This is one that I think is okay to good. This is one that's middle of the road by, you know, the online folks. 
but but again, I mean, it makes Path of Serpent has one really good scenario, one decent one, and I think two decent ones. So very solid expansion. The next expansion is Streets of Arkham. Streets of Arkham has three scenarios in it: Ill-Fated Exhibit, Astral Alchemy, and Gangs of Arkham. And this one brings you to somewhat to new and different locations, but also has an array of tiles that have some overlap with the base game stuff. So you can intermix them. And the themes that are explored here are a little bit more different, right? You have stuff about the the gangs, like the more organized crime side of the setting and something that's set during Prohibition. You finally bring the university more broadly into the game through the scenario Astral Alchemy. And then you have a museum, like specifically the museum. And so now you get tiles that represent the inside of the museum. They Sometimes they show up with other things. They can show up in people's mansions like, oh, look, you've got a dinosaur skeleton in your mansion. The one that I like best is Ill-Fated Exhibit out of this. And Ill-Fated Exhibit is a mystery one, in a sense. And you know, uh, from what I've said, right, oh, these mystery ones are not really that great for the most part. I don't even categorize those in there, because unlike the other ones, to do ill-fated exhibit, you have to do real deduction. Like, you actually have to take notes while you're playing the scenario, and then by the time I'm done with the scenario, right? I'm making one of these grids where you're trying to figure out what happened with this. And okay, this was there, so it couldn't have been at these other places. And you're crossing out the possibilities. And I really like that. Like the other mystery scenarios, it's probably not super replayable. Not that it doesn't change from time to time, but even if, you know, the exact solution has changed, I don't know how exciting that is to play repeatedly. But right, we're talking about your first play. You want, if you've played it once, you probably already know whether or not you want to play it again. But it surprisingly made a big difference in how enjoyable that scenario was compared to the other mystery ones. Uh, and apparently I'm not alone in this. So I have this in one of my really good scenario piles. And while all of the other ones were mediocre at best in the you know generic overall rankings that the, the online community has, has put together, ill-fated exhibit, is, you know, like tied for the sixth highest rated one out of, I mean, there's a bunch of things that are tied at six uh, with, you know, an 8.1 or whatever. But that, I, I think, is the leading one from Streets of Arkham. After that, it really kind of falls down a little. Gangs of Arkham is just a flat-out mystery scenario. It's got an organized crime feel to it, but right, you're going around doing nothing but talking to people and hoping that you talk to the right people to get the right clue to give you the right prompt later, and then there's a fight at the end. And the fight's even a little wonky. The other one, Astral Alchemy, I have to say was one of the most disappointing because it was so close to being really nifty. And there's there's two reasons why I found it disappointing. The first is that one of the mechanics that's introduced in Streets of Arkham is improvements. Something where you get a little token and it permanently improves one of your attributes. I do something with a jar of eyeballs and now I have plus one observation. 
and the astral alchemy scenario, these come up all the time. It, it's clearly designed to be the, hey, this is the improvements scenario. Once you've got Streets of Arkham in the mix, they can come up other places in your Mansions of Madness games, but they will always come up heavily in Astral Alchemy. Unfortunately, the correct thing to do in Astral Alchemy is to never get an improvement if you can help it, because everything that happens punishes you for having an improvement. And so I just, I don't like the way that it gives you this new thing to explore, and then the correct strategic choice is to just ignore it. I think that was real unfortunate. The other problem is, and this is kind of reminiscent of Escape from Innsmouth, is that you kind of have to pay attention to the video game logic of this. And I'll, I'll again, I'll be more specific than I was with Escape from Innsmouth, right? There's a character who's trying to make an alchemical potion to cure the bad things that are going on. You're trying to fetch her ingredients, and she's on a timer. The longer that it goes without you getting her one ingredient, uh, worse things will start to happen until you lose. And every time that you get her an ingredient, it resets the timer. But that's very literally what it does. So so it actually behooves you to delay giving her items in order to reset the timer again. You like give her one item and it resets your timer. And then you find a second and third item right near each other. And you rush over and you give her the second item. And then the next turn you give her the third item. You've probably just lost. Unless you've got, I mean, unless you are lucky enough to have already found the fourth item, you've you've probably just lost. What you really want, because you know, if let's say you get four turns, right? You want to hand in the second item, have your like three or four turns to play with, then hand in the third item, and then have another three or four turns to play with. If you give it the third one, it'll reset your timer to four, and then when you give it the when you give it the second one, it'll reset your timer to four. You give it the third one, it'll reset your timer to four, or whatever the number is. I don't remember exactly. Right, so like it's video game logic. It's not real world logic. You don't just buy yourself more time by getting this stuff done earlier. It actually makes you want to game the system, which really takes you out of the vibe. So it's got really cool things going on in Alistair Alchemy, exploring the campus and exploring to figure out what's going on and what exactly is happening. And you get some riddles to try to as clues to what the items are that you need to get for this alchemy to work. Ah. But, you know, it's like I said, disappointing. It's, it's disappointing because it's got good elements, but it's got these other elements I don't like as much. The final expansion is Sanctum of Twilight. And based on what I've said earlier, you can tell that I think this is the least nifty of the expansions. Now, to be clear, I mean, I own all of these. And I'm happy to own all of these. I love Mansions of Madness, and so even a meh, Mansions of Madness expansion is something that I'm happy to buy. But it is overall the least one. It, it has two scenarios. One of them is the Twilight Diadem. One of them is Behind Closed Doors. Behind Closed Doors is another mystery. So these, these both r relate to the Silver Twilight Lodge. You've been captured in Behind Closed Doors. You have to get your way out. I found this scenario very easy. It looks like it's actually pretty tough. Probably just got lucky when we played it. But regardless, both I and the internet community agree that this is just one of your standard mystery ones that's not really that great. It was the lowest rated. I'm, people do not are not fond of this scenario. Uh, it's just another mystery one. And so Sanctum of Twilight, right, it's, it's only got 
two scenarios, and and one of them is just generally not liked. Now, this was similar to Beyond the Threshold, but this one is even less liked than Vengeful Impulses, the, the dinner party murder mystery in Beyond the Threshold. And while Beyond the Threshold has one of the handful of best scenarios, Gates of Silverwood Manor, the other scenario in Sanctum of Twilight, the Twilight Diadem, is not particularly liked either. Now, me, personally, I have it in my very good section. I liked this one, so that's, you know, 7 to 9 range out of the 19. It's lower than that. It's the definition of the, when I say mediocre, I mean that very, like, literally, like, in the middle, right? So it's not within the range of the 19 scenarios. So, like, like you've got a middle-of-the-road scenario and one of the least-liked scenarios here in Sanctum of Twilight. The Twilight Diadem, there's a parade that's going on, and there are sinister things afoot, of course, and you have to figure out what's going on. It's in two parts. There's definitely mystery here, but it's not just a mystery. There's more complicated things going on. There actually is some combat. There's actually parade floats that move. You have to, like, work with how those parade floats move. There are things where your timing matters, and in a sensible way, like, there's at one point where you might want to break into something, and so it can matter, like, whether or not you get out of there before the cops arrive, right? And it doesn't, like, explicitly put a timer on you. It gives you a very strong hint that you probably should care about this, and and it makes sense that you should, and so that works well. Like I said, I think it's above average, but not great. The world as a whole thinks that that's kind of, meh, you know, average. Average for a Manchester Madness scenario, which again, I like Manchester Madness, so average for a Manchester Madness scenario is still a fun time. But that's why I have Sanctum of Twilight down here on my list. Like if I'm choosing out of out of all of these and which ones I would have to play around with, that's what it was. All right, so I've gone over all 19 of the Mansions of Madness scenarios that come with the physical expansions. To me, the highlights of these, the very best ones, are Gates of Silverwood Manor, which is found with Beyond the Threshold, and 1050 to Arkham, which is found in Horrific Journeys. I recommend picking up all of these expansions, right? But if you like Mansions of Madness, get the expansions. That's, that's sort of my point of view. But these, I think, are the very best scenarios. They come in very good expansions if you can get them. So I'm glad I, I finally was able to fill the request to put this down. I do like to talk about Mansions of Madness. Maybe now I'm kind of wondering if I should go back and revisit the investigators again. Uh, but I guess we'll find out. But you've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to this podcast. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or any podcatching service. If you do catch us through a podcatching service, we greatly appreciate it if you leave us a rating or review, but we super extra special appreciate it if you leave that rating or review on iTunes slash Apple Podcast because that really helps people discover the show. If you are using a podcatching service that does not have Strange Assembly, but you've stumbled across us anyway, please let me know and I will make sure to get us on your service. You can reach me directly. I'm Chris at strangeassembly.com. I always love to hear your comments, criticisms, and other feedback. You can also get in touch at the usual social media. We are at strangeassembly on Twitter, facebook.com slash strangeassembly, and at strangeassembly on Instagram. 
If you want to go a little bit beyond just getting in touch with us, you can also find a donate button on our website or visit patreon.com slash strangeassembly to provide ongoing support. But until then, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. <laughs>